go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number, drumroll please, 705. And why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. I have a question. Do you fade that music out? Because it sounds real abrupt. Uh, well, I kind of, I faded it. And then at the very end, I just turned it off. Yeah. I started the fade. Yeah, it just felt And abrupt. then I got impatient. I know. I usually do a better job of well, fading. One thing I've noticed is that if we have a show where you feel like you're in a time crunch, you fade that out really fast. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah, I, I feel rushed because we have two big topics that I want to get to and I got to pick up our kid at school. But isn't that funny that like you're worried about the end so you're going to fade that out? It's just our yeah, brains. Right. It's not about it's a my problem. Brain. Yeah, it's just our brain. And sweetie, I appreciate that feedback. Yeah, well, because it does. It sounds bad. It where it's like... Vroom. I love feedback. <laughs> I don't love feedback. Kathy either. doesn't like. We we have an ongoing debate about yeah. feedback. Well, let me take that back. I don't mind feedback in a discussion or you know with my kids or with you. That's fine. I'm always open. But I, Todd, like he like sends out things like tell me how I'm doing, tell me what you think, tell me what you want, tell me what. And I'm like, you know what? At some point, we just gotta like have a. This is how we do it, and then listen to people, but not get such data driven feedback. Yeah, you're I, very big on data driven feedback. Tell me what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, but everyone's going to have an opinion about that. That's fine. And I can discount any of the feedback that I get. And I think that the way I look at it is that you're right. Of course we can, but it also can shift the way you naturally do things. And I'm not talking about you personally, mm-hmm, no. but uh, there's some things I do like with, and a lot of my things are, I don't really, my writing, I don't need people's feedback sure. about it. This is kind of the way I feel, right? Um, and if if you're constantly looking to make sure other people are happy with it, then you're not really sharing from your heart. Yeah, and I think it's a both and thing. Yeah, it's I, funny because there's times when I'm like, you know, because I'm in this men's group that I started called Men Living, and whenever we lead meetings, I'm always looking for feedback, and the other facilitators are looking for feedback too. And there's times I'm like, all right, I'm open to feedback, and I think I am, and they're like, uh, this part sucked. I'm like, ooh, maybe yeah. I, maybe I wasn't ready yeah. for feedback. Right, and that's and that's the thing is like, we talked we've talked about that. This is the last thing I'll say because I know we have to get going, but we've talked about that before with being vulnerable on the show too. Is part of the reason that you share things that you've pretty much you know, figured out, dealt with instead of like an open wound mm-hmm. is because you're going to get feedback. Like, let me be clear. We still get emails with feedback. Mm-hmm. Even if I don't ask, you know, for ask for it, I'm getting it. And so I have to be conscious of that and not be like, well, wow, these people are really hurting me with my really raw emotion. It's like, well, that's my choice to bring the raw emotion. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because sometimes, um, yeah, when I get it, sometimes I think I'm ready. I'm not. And sometimes they're like too easy on me. And then when I say they, I'm talking about my, the guys that I am in this organization with. Yeah. I'm like, no, give it to me. And like I said, I could take it or use it or discard it saying, you know, that doesn't work for me. So, right. and, and that's part of our feedback process is like, these are just my experiences of how you led that meeting, Todd. doesn't mean it's right, but yeah. this is my, anyways. All right. Okay. So, so I want to thank a few people. Okay. These are new teams and members. All right. Anne from Chicago, thank Angela you. from New Hampshire, mm-hmm. Rebecca from Oregon, and Danielle from Evanston. Um, if you become a Team Zen member, I just got a whole thing of new sh- not new-ish shirts and Zen parenting socks. So if you join Team Zen... You got new socks? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad. So we got some new fuzzy warm socks. They're the best. So if you join Team Zen, even if it's just for a month, you're going to get uh, some, some swag from us. We have two important things I want to talk about coming up. One is we had a podcast 
from the Sisters Project, Michelle and Lauren, and they're going to join us for Team Zen on Monday, March 17th. So can I explain that sure. a little better? We did a show with Lauren and Michelle a few weeks ago, and we talked about grief. We talked about Huga, which is cozy living. We talked about, you know, taking care of our parents. And it was a really great show, and we got a lot of good feedback. So they are going to join us again on Team Zen, where it's live. Mm -hmm. And people can ask them questions and, and, and spend some time with them, because they're pretty awesome. And uh, Dr. John Duffy and myself are leading a virtual class called Understanding Our Sons. And as I look at, looking at the um, calendar, there's already 20 people, 21 people signed up. Fantastic. My goal is to have more people than what Kathy had when she did Understanding Our Daughters. Competition. So I'd please help me beat Kathy. Okay. Speaking of... Um, understanding our daughters was a great discussion. Thank you for everybody who joined Team Zen just for that. I encourage you to stay another month to do Understanding Our Sons, even though you know Todd wants to compete with me. I will be supportive of his agenda. There you go, babe. Um, and so I encourage you to stay for that and just everything else we're offering. You know, the sister project. We have so many people coming up on Team Zen that we're having, meaning like interviews that we're doing or question and answer Q and A that we're like having a hard time finding space to. To, to make for everybody because Team Zen is growing so big. What yes. do I, how do I want to say that better? We have a lot of experts who we want to have on Team Zen and we're trying hard to figure out where to put them yeah. because we have so many that are so interesting and, and, and offer such a wealth of information to Team Zen. So um, I hope you stick around. And also uh, the Zen Parenting Moment from this week, I don't know if you were jumping into that yet, Todd. Uh, yeah, so the Zen Parenting Moment, if I could pull it up, was called, where is it? So Kathy does these things every Friday. It's called Real, Vulnerable, and Pay Attention. And it came from the Understanding Our Daughters um, discussion that we had. It was about an hour and a half, and my daughter, JC, joined us. She just turned 20 about a week ago, and she was basically, you know, taking questions from everybody about, you know, what do I do if my daughter struggles with this, or how do I approach this? And I thought she was crushing it. Like, I, I obviously offered my, um, you know, thoughts at the beginning about parenting and, you know, the things that we do, but then I think JC just asked she answered from her own personal experience, but also the experiences of all the people that she associates with in high school and college and everything they read and watch on TikTok. Like she could just give a better viewpoint from her generation. In a way that we cannot. Right. Because we don't swim in the same water as she does. Correct. And so the Zen Parenting Moment was just kind of a my recap of what she said would be helpful if parents would offer their kids. So if you're getting, so if you want to get the Zen Parenting Moment, just scroll down in this podcast feed in the notes, or if you want to join Team Zen, just scroll down, it's right there. All right, so this is the tale of two halves. We are going to share two different videos, or audio clips, I guess. Um, and I just want to tease the second one, and then we're going to jump into the first one. Yes, look at you, sweetie, knocking. I don't, I don't know why. There's just this amazing, is she a grandmother? Or yeah, she's a grandma. She's this amazing woman who who posted this on TikTok or Twitter or where where did you find on it? On TikTok. And she just blew me away on her vulnerability, her honesty, her lack to lack of victimhood, her lack of blaming others. She exemplified everything that Todd and I talk about, but sometimes can be difficult to um unless you've got a personal experience with it where you were actually walking the walk. Yes. And this woman is doing that. So that's my tease. So now, how do we want to start the first half of today's podcast? Um, oh, good. I thought you were going to play the video. No, no, that's no. where I was like, why no, no. are you doing that? I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Todd. 
right. was wrong. Um, so I want to start with talking about the four different types of um, parenting styles. I'm not going to make this boring. I'm going to make this really, you know, succinct. Not boring. Not Check. boring. NB. But I want to talk about how our parenting style relates to our political affiliation. Now, I really don't care about, you know, it's not so much like do this so you raise a conservative or do this so you raise a liberal. It's more about how they are connected and what the mindset does as far as what we believe about leaders. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I also just want to talk about these parenting styles because I think even though a lot of people who have, you know, done psychology 101, they've probably been informed about these different styles. And those of us who are in the field of, you know, therapy, this comes up all the time and it gets much deeper than this because then we get into the types of, you know, types of care we received and et cetera. But the basics are um, parenting styles. Number one, authoritarian. Number two, authoritative. Number three, permissive. And interesting, I, I'm, you know, I was doing a lot of reading about this, and they're now tacking on another one called uninvolved. Mm. Now, this is not everybody does this. Like, it's kind of like when you're looking up stages of grief, and some people are like, there's five, there's seven, there's 11. And let's be real, there really aren't any stages of grief. You know what uninvolved is, sweetie? What? It's Ali Sheedy from The Breakfast Club when she's like, they ignore they me. They ignore me. So basically, you're right. And and that could be, and I'm, I don't necessarily think it's bad. I will refer to it, but it's not necessarily traditionally what we hear. We usually just hear about the three. And John Bender was authoritarian. Or possibly uninvolved. I don't know. He's getting cigars burned on his uh, on his. Oh, wrist. you're right. You're right, so, Todd. You're so, right. Yeah. I think that's true. I think it's more authoritarian, but in it, it looks different yeah. in how like it, it ends up showing up for him as a kid. Sure. So let's talk about authoritarian first. And this tends to be... Um, the type of parent who's like, it's my way or the highway, right? And I think that in our generation, Gen X, there is less of this than the boomer generation, but I it obviously still exists big oh, yeah. time because Todd and I work with parents. So we hear these things all the time. I think it's just... I think the boomer generation definitely were more authoritarian in their approach. Yeah. So, you know, you don't take your child's feelings necessarily into consideration. That's not a big part of it. Um, they using punishments, um, using, you know, constant consequences rather than teach a child to make better choices. It's about making a kid feel sorry mm -hmm. for their mistakes, you know, making them, you know, feel guilty and shamed. Um, children who grow up with strict authoritarian parents tend to follow rules you know, like they they need a set of rules, but it obviously comes at a price because what you're teaching children is basically to not think for themselves. Sure. What you're teaching them is think like I do, do as I do. Yeah, fall, be, in, fall in line. Yeah, they're at higher risk of developing uh, self-esteem problems. Of a, more of a militant style. Absolutely. It's okay. a very militant style. Um, they, you know, children raised this way can more easily become hostile and aggressive because they haven't dealt with their feelings. They're told to suppress feelings. And again, it's it, there's many different variations of this. Of course. Like, the thing is, is this is a wide spectrum. And a lot of us have authoritarian moments, mm -hmm. you know, like where we are, we do say something like, because I said so. Yeah. And there sometimes is an expectation. I still hear from parents, like, I want my kids to be afraid of me. Mm -hmm. That's a very authoritarian way of thinking, which is I should be in charge. Everyone should know that and everyone should do what I say. Yeah. I think it's fair to say that even me, I'm, I'm, I have 
pr- probably used all four of these parenting styles, sure. but what we're talking about is the center of gravity. Like, where do you most reside? Right. And and I think that we've got to start with the deeper core. Like, the, everyone can have a moment like that out of frustration, but is your deep core belief that children should be seen and not heard, yeah. that their opinion about something does not matter, yeah. and that they, if they don't follow the rules, they're just in trouble. Mm. You're not going to listen to their perspective or why their generation is different than yours or what it's a it's a much the belief system is i'm in charge i mean you know succession mm-hmm. you know logan roy yeah. is an authoritarian, authoritarian parent can i share with you sure. my one of my least proud moments as a father oh which, let's hear it i think jc was like two or three and running late i was having a bad morning what up whatever and i she wasn't cooperating you know kids can squirm out of car seats totally um, she wasn't cooperating at all, and I was just—I got so frustrated. I kind of lost myself a bit, and I very aggressively shoved her into her car seat. And those words sound pretty harsh. It was. I'm being honest. Do you, when you say very aggressively, like she—it wasn't violent. No, right. I was going to say it was aggressive. Was, yeah, it was. You, you did. I don't think you were there. Oh, I wasn't. No, okay. this okay. is me and her. Okay. And I, I to this day, I still feel awful about that so thing. how'd you make up for it like what did you say to her afterwards i don't know it was 18 years ago i don't remember exactly i i don't remember if i said anything i don't know if i repaired i just remember feeling awful about it so i'm sure i did say something to her but it was just an awful parenting moment for me well and it's such that's what's so important about understanding our belief systems and then understanding where we are at any given moment because this is what self-awareness is right is like there's two levels. There's what you think children should do. Yeah. Like, and this comes from your history, the what you believe about sure. the parent-child relationship, that it's a hierarchy and mm-hmm. not, you know. And then the other part is, is you know, as you would say, locating yourself. Like, why are you in such Where a hurry? Where am I? And I Where was, are you? I, I lost myself. Yeah. You, compl- you were like, what you decided was more important is that she is going to do what you say she- and... I need to be on time, and that's more important. Yep, yep. I did total disregard of her feelings. Total disregard, not only of her feelings, but of her being. Yeah. It's like she's being a kid, yeah. and she, there's probably some message in what she's doing. Like, I'm feeling... And it doesn't mean that then Todd doesn't go. And that's... Let's go to that one. Okay. Let's talk about permissive parenting. Okay, so we're jumping over authoritative? Uh, yeah, I'm going to do that one last. Okay. So permissive parenting is you set rules, but you don't enforce them. You don't give consequences ever. Um, you think your child will learn best without any interference at all. Um, they're, you're super lenient. Um, maybe you step in if there's a problem, but most of the time you're not. You adopt an attitude of kids will be kids. Um, when they, you do impose a consequence, you don't really stick with it. You maybe give a privilege back if a child begs for it. Um, maybe you don't talk about... You're a pushover. You're a pushover. You don't really talk about feelings or what happened. You just try to avoid. I have a pop culturing reference. Okay. Uh, Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, and Overboard. <laughs> if you've ever seen that great movie, it's from like 1980, great whatever. Movie. Is it a great movie, Todd? Kurt Russell is trying to be his like young boy's friends. Right. Like playmates. And I'm all about playing with my kids, but that's all he did. Right. So anyways. Yeah. These kids are begging for it. Kids are begging for it. Like that was his version of (laughs) discipline because I think they were, uh, they put super glue on the plates and the Goldie Hawn's character's 
uh, hands were stuck to the plates or mm-hmm. something like that. And all he said was, you kids are, kids are begging for it, which just basically means I'm going to do <laughs> nothing. nothing. Yeah. And, you know, I think about in a lot of reality shows, you know, parents will like flip out, but yeah. then do nothing, yeah. you know, like, and there is a difference. Authoritarian parenting is I'm going to force you. I'm going to take things away. You are not. And permissive is like. I don't know what to do, so yeah. I'm going to do nothing. And then uninvolved is pretty obvious. It's, you know, you don't ask your kids anything. Like you said, Ali Sheedy character is a good one. You don't spend any time with your kid. Basically, the when I was reading about this, I think this connects to somebody who's really struggling with addiction, mental illness, like somebody who literally cannot you know, they don't have access to themselves, which means they don't really have access to parent. Right. Um, so that's that. So the one that is mostly, uh, um, most closely aligns with what we talk about. Can I talk parenting. real quick? Just real quick. Sure. Uh, we did a podcast called Emotional Neglect. Okay. What Your Feelings Are Saying, and it's podcast 512. And that as I think, because we, I think there's another one where we talked about ACE scores, adverse childhood experiences, which mm-hmm. is more deliberate, um, strikes uh, traumatic things that happened to you as a kid, yeah, and divorces the, and things like that. It dictates your future outcomes. Emotional neglect is the opposite, is is where the parents are just not there. Like they're just neglectful. Or alongside, alongside the aces. Right. Yeah, because actually emotional neglect is one of the aces. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things. So authoritative is this place where you put a lot of effort into creating and maintaining a positive relationship with your kids. Um, you explain the rules, this is what makes sense and why. Yeah. So the rules aren't do as I say because I said so and being like flippant. There is a reason, you know, if it be about safety, if it be about age, if it be about expectation, um, you set limits, you enforce limits, um, but you also take your child's feelings into consideration. You know, I don't know how much we've talked about that. There's plenty of things that we say no to, but I don't think my children are wrong for asking and nor do I think that me saying no is the end of the conversation. Yeah. I don't mean they're going to talk me into it, but they get to share why that's hard for them. Let's have a conversation. Yeah, let's have a conversation. Let's have a discussion. Whether it's a two-year-old, an eight-year-old, or an 18-year-old, we, it's, I think it's best to invite dialogue. Exactly. And you get some time to share where you're coming from and why. And that information not only deepens our relationship as far as I'm listening to you and connecting to you, but you have... Uh, you have some skin in the game. Like this is your life. It's more than skin. It's your humanity. And your perspective means something. And I want, and it may dictate how we then progress together. There may be things about you I didn't understand. There may be ways of that you communicate with your friends that I didn't know. Like this is how we stay connected. So You know, research has found that kids who have authoritative parents are more likely to become responsible adults who feel comfortable self-advocating and expressing their opinions and feelings. And children raised with authoritative, you know, parents tend to be more happy and successful. Like, you know, I I always say to my students, because I've been teaching my college students for 12 years, that I used to, when I first started teaching, especially when it was around mindfulness or parenting or, you know, conscious parenting, I used to just be like, doesn't this feel better? Isn't this better? And now we have, we've always had research about parenting styles, but this is not, Todd and I aren't just saying this because it sounds good. Like all of this is 
based in research. Mm. And you can go look at parenting styles and read these things on your own. Like we're kind of opening the door to something, but why does this make sense? What kind of outcomes do you want for your kid? Um, You know, then children with authoritative parents tend to be more good at decision-making and evaluating their own safety risks. What they do is they take themselves into consideration because they had a parent figure who took them into consideration. And I can understand how these things can, people can get confused and say, but that gets too permissive because then my kid does everything they want. That's not true either. You also have boundaries. You also understand your child's developmental level. You understand their brain development. You understand what kind of support they need. You know, like, you know, my daughter, my oldest daughter was home for Easter and she had a, you know, night out that she ended up, it was kind of a long story, but she got home super late. And even as a 20 year old, I talked to her and said, listen, you coming home super late is a challenge for me. You know what I mean? Like, because then I'm worried about you and we're going back to the, like, text me, let me know. And again, it was this thing, she fell asleep. And I do understand that. And the conversation is necessary, but I still have my own boundary, even with a 20 year old of like, understand how this affects me as well. And then let's discuss how we can make this easier for both of us. So this is, you know, it's very communication heavy. Yeah. So why this is important and non-reactionary why. communication. Yes, yes. Um non-reactionary maybe responsive, yeah. meaning you you're you're thoughtful about how you want to discuss it, you're responding to your emotions. It's self-awareness. Self-awareness. Yeah. yeah. It's just it, you know, there's a reason for all of this. So, why why did I want to bring this up? I was really affected this weekend as I think most of the country was about what was going on in Tennessee. Okay, so I assume you're going to explain it cuz some people might be listening to this a year from now. Yes, you're right. You're Right. Okay. So let me talk a little bit about it. In Tennessee this weekend, the House the House of Representatives in Tennessee, okay, so it's their state legislator, legislature, um, they ended up expelling two Democratic lawmakers. They actually were considering expelling three. Um, their names are Justin Jones, Justin Pearson, and Gloria Johnson. So the two Justins and Gloria is how people were referring to them. They were chanting, Justin, Justin, Gloria. Anyway, these three lawmakers um, were speaking for their constituents who really want reform when it comes to gun violence. Those of you who um, follow the news know that there was there's been lots of school shootings, as always, as Todd always says to me, well, we'll be able to talk about it because there'll be another. I mean, which is so the saddest, just statement, the saddest ever. statement ever. But I think it was on March 26th, there was a shooting at a Christian school in Tennessee, Covenant School, and the parents and the communities and Nashville and Memphis, a lot of people rose up and said, we have to do something. And these three lawmakers... Not only did they march with people, they actually led a, um, what is it called, like a, a protest mm-hmm. on the House floor for about 52 minutes. And, I, and help me understand this. I think it's they were trying to have this discussion oh, yes. beforehand. Oh, yes. And it was, they're like, nope, sorry, we got to get to other business. Thank you, Todd. That's a really important point. They kept trying to bring this up, not only because are they representing their constituencies, but there were so many people outside saying, we're here, so you'll talk about this. And and the the, um, Republicans who are in charge in Tennessee just kept bringing up other bills. And then Justin and Justin and Gloria would go up to the microphone and say, I would like to now bring up guns. And they'd be like, stop talking about that. They tried to use the regular Channels. channels decorum that is set up. And let me just step back one 
step because I also want to talk about the fact that in Tennessee, like a lot of states, it's very gerrymandered. And what is gerrymandering? Um, as I actually, I had to look up why we came up with that word too, which was kind of interesting. But so you got, you guys know that every 10 years, um, there is a census. Okay. And basically from that census data, we create congressional and state legislative district maps. Okay. Why do we use census data? Because we are trying to figure out the changes in the population so that every person can have the opportunity for equitable representation in government. So the purpose of the census data is to make sure you are reaching people in the right areas, right? You are, if this area has grown, then you want to make sure they have different representation. You know, you want to make sure, what is the point of this? Election integrity, Mm -hmm. okay? So it plays a vital role in determining whether we can actually speak up about issues. Like this is essential, but, but in many states, there are things called, uh, there's something called gerrymandering, which is named after, listen to this, Todd, in 1812, Elbridge Jerry, a founding father who was the governor of Massachusetts at the time, approved a Senate map with a salam- salamander-shaped district that benefited his own party. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it, those of you who understand gerrymandering, when you look at it on a map, people will like draw areas that make no sense. Like it's not a circle. It'll be like this crazy salamander shape and they'll be like, here's a district. But it's drawn that way on purpose because it it then makes sure that a certain party wins. I just, yeah, I just kind of Googled this. Uh, if a state, for example, if a state has 60% of voters who typically vote for one party and 40% of voters who typically vote for another party, gerrymandering could be used to redraw the district boundary so that 60 the 60 percent group is split up into multiple districts diluting their voting power correct while the 40 percent group is concentrated into a few districts giving them a greater chance of winning elections in those districts and they actually the like the terminology they get into is like it's called cracking and packing Mm -hmm. cracking is the practice of dividing a group supporters among multiple districts so they fall short of a majority Mm -hmm. in the district right and packing is the practice of concentrating a group support heavily in a few districts so that that group wins significantly, yeah. right? So this gerrymandering has been around forever. Um, both sides you have know, done it. Bo- both sides have done it, but there are certain states right now that are so heavily gerrymandered for conservatives, okay? This is what was going on in Wisconsin forever, which is why the Wisconsin um, election from last week was so vitally important, was that the gerrymandering kept kept there from being any kind of 50-50, mm-hmm. even though the state is actually purple. It was There was a complete conservative hold. And the thing is, is why I struggle with this is this is a party that talks about election integrity all the time. And they're trying to do things like not, you know, not have ballot boxes and to not have, you know, um, you know, mail-in voting, but then there's all these like ways that they're not mm-hmm. supporting election integrity. Why I'm talking about this is because what happened on the floor when they expelled two members, not three, when they expelled the two Justins who happened to be African-American men and the woman, Gloria, who happens to be a white woman, woman did not get expelled. One vote saved her. Mm -hmm. So they claim that the difference was that she didn't have a bullhorn, but obviously there's some racial commentary in here. Um, and these guys, Justin and Justin are very young. They're in their late twenties. They represent, um, you know, districts in, uh, Nashville, I believe. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know exactly where they're, they are in the state, but they are representing their constituents who want Gen X. They want to change millennials. They're like, what are you people doing? 
what I the reason I brought this up with parenting styles is what I found so fascinating watching everything was that the the men who were pissed at them have a very authoritarian style. The men who are who wanted to vote for expelling these young men, they're basically like, you're wrong. We are right. This is how you do it. There is no other way. We're not going to talk about We're it. We're not going to talk about it. You will follow our lead, which, you know, again, we throw around language a lot, you know, and, you know, people will say they're a fascist. They're a fascist. The definition of fascism is a political system headed by someone in the government that controls business and opposition is not permitted. So while I'm not, I don't like to throw words on people because then it like loses its meaning. That happens with therapeutic words too. The idea that we, that people are going to be like, no, we're not going to discuss this. You can't bring this up. Um, nothing's going to be done about this or the things we're going to do are things that we've been doing all along that haven't worked. There's going to be no, you know, like Shannon Watts, who, um, you know, is in charge of Moms Demand, she founded it. She's always like, when you look at the data, this is like a no brainer, but we never get the opportunity to show the data because there's no discussion. I mean, people know the data, but it's like, you can't bring it up. So I found that there were like two parenting styles going on, you know, during this time, there was the people who are like, you know, there's only one way, there's only one type of American, there's only one group, there's only one committee, there's only one, there's a belief that there is no discussion, you just do it this way. Black and white. Black, and, and you know, yeah. this is, that's interesting language. Yeah. Um, and then you have these two young men who were so... Um, Eloquent. Elo it's not just how they said it. It's the it's their knowledge base. Mm -hmm. It's about their they understand not only the data around this, but what they were hired to do, like why they were elected and the generation they're speaking for. And things are changing yeah. and they're not going to change fast enough for people. And I know it's still scary for people. But the thing is, is this idea of we're just going to do it our way and you have nothing to say about it. That's not going to work. So I um, I sent Todd this clip that I thought was so fascinating. And you, it's not just Justin. This is you're going to be listening to. Um, uh, hold on one second. Hold on one second. I, I want to make sure you're going to be listening to Justin Pearson mm -hmm. in this. So there's Justin Jones and Justin Pearson. This is him. But I want you to hear the man who's speaking starts. to him. Yes. And he's the one who starts. And yes. then Justin responds. Jumps in, yeah. So it's about a minute and a half. You're wrong. You're in the well today because you broke rules of decorum. Wouldn't you agree? Representative Pearson. I believe I'm in the well today uh, because you have put forward a resolution that says that it's more important to expel voices of dissent than do the work of justice, which is fighting to end gun violence in the state of Tennessee. I believe that I'm in the well today because I, uh, with the courage of ancestors and family and loved ones and community, stood up and spoke up for folks like my classmate Larry Thorne, who can speak no more because of the proliferation of guns in Tennessee. I, I believe that I'm in the well today uh, because you have decided that it is not uh, right to have debate. It is not right to listen to the voices of the minority. I believe I'm in the well today because on the day that we wanted to honor the thousands of people who protested, uh, we were denied that opportunity. I believe that I'm here because you feel in your heart that it is right to persecute someone who has committed no crime, 
who has only broken what you call the house decorum rule, which according to section 19 of the house permanent rules of order say that at worst the thing that should happen is censure. But instead, you have brought forward a terrible resolution to deprive and disenfranchise thousands of people in Shelby County of a representative who will and can speak and advocate for them. And I believe, uh, Representative Farmer, that that is wrong. All right. So that is not the only speech. <laughs> that one, I was watching that in bed the other day. Um, I don't know if it was Saturday morning. Or I can't remember when he did it. And I like looked at Todd and I was like, this is history. Mm-hmm. I mean, these... This is, you know, the fact that we're all focusing on Tennessee right now, um, that wouldn't have happened if this if they hadn't expelled these, you know, could you hear during that, Todd, the protests outside? Yeah, you could hear could them, you hear hear the, the voices? Yep. And there are so many people saying, make a change. And there is this belief that there is one way. So I'm going to wrap this up by saying authoritarian parenting is the belief that there is one type of way to be. <laughs> And there's no room for debate. And that is not going to work with this generation. And I'm not saying that there are no more authoritarian parents. There are. And they're going to try. But this, what's happening and what's been happening, I think, for a long time is they're coming educated, data-filled, passionate, compassionate, self, self, you know, contained, um, connected, you know, these, these protesters, these, you know, this generation is speaking up because they understand on the deepest level, what means the most to them. And they are experiencing these things, the school lockdowns, the shootings, losing friends, you know, what's going on. You know, when I see, when I see, you know, people, my generation or older talking about what kids are experiencing. I'm like, you don't know what they're, you know, you're not there. I mean, and then telling teachers what to do. And I'm like, you're not a teacher. You're not in the classroom. And so I just think it's one of these, another opportunity, not only to be focused on what's going on in our country and to see, this isn't the only state where this is happening. Um, It's just the most high profile. Well, and, um, you know, I think, for example, Justin Pearson, who's the man that we just heard, he is smart enough to know how to make an impact. Yes. And I think I would, I mean, I'm just guessing here. I'm guessing that there's an anger inside of him that he's not letting to come out. He can't. Because he knows the impact if there is a man with dark color skin expressing anger. Mm -hmm. So he has to play by... You know, it's the like an, it's like yeah. an emotional intelligence. Like, what's going to? And I just feel like these lawmakers who are trying to like lead with this authoritarian uh, style, they don't understand the impacts of right. what it is that they're doing. Because nobody questions them, Todd. They yeah. have always been able to do that, and they say, "This is how it's done. This is what America is. I'm American. You're not." And they're they're being someone else is saying so am I, and this is what has happened. You know, men of color, women of color, and you know, women just uh, just women. You know, the way you know, think about how you know, um, justice. Um, uh, who's the Supreme Court justice? Um, um, Kenji. Uh, what's her last Taylor name? Taylor Brown. No, no, no. Kenji. She was just. <laughs> I want to make sure. Why don't you look it up and I will say something real quick. It reminds me of um, the Jackie Robinson story where Branch Rickey is thinking about which of these African-American men they're going to invite into the major leagues. And Branch Rickey says something like, um, no, um, he didn't want him uh, to fight. And Jackie Robinson's like, "You you don't want me to fight back? He's like, I want somebody strong enough 
to not fight back mm. because he knows that if he fights back. So Jackie Robinson had to like endure all of this racism and he was smart enough that if he played the role of the fight fighting back, it would have been worse for the movement. At, at that time. At that time. And we're not there anymore, yes. you know, like, and I get that. Like, I understand. That's the thing about these conversations is we get, and first of all, I want to back up about what you said about there's anger. Anger doesn't always look like yelling. I know. Like anger can be very anger focused. Anger can be quiet. Yeah. And it can be quiet and it can be thoughtful and strong and powerful. True. So sometimes when we think anger, we think someone loses it and falls apart. And really anger can be channeled mm -hmm. in a really, you know, helpful way. And Justice Jackson, I was okay. I was forgetting her last name, but she what she had to do as far as her, you know, her nomination and then sitting in front of all of, you know, the Senate, the Senate committee asking her questions and the way she had to, you know, answer questions and the way she had to sit and the way she had to take on what they were throwing at her versus Brett Kavanaugh. Yeah. <laughs> you right. know, yeah. who could cry and yell and scream and yell things back at the people asking him questions. There are two different sets of rules. And so there is, you know, a... I think that, you know, I'll end by saying I just think it's interesting to view politics through this parenting lens is who are we raising our children to? It's not necessarily about what political party they choose. It's how do they interact with yes. others? Yeah. How do they what is their belief system about their own value? What is their belief system about are things really black and white and right and wrong? Or are there many ways to see the world? Well, and the bottom line is it's just in what way do we communicate? Right. It's really that simple. Yeah, it is. And You're if right, we Ted. just shut people's voices down, it's not gonna work. No, it doesn't. And, you know, I wanted to I'll I'll end by saying there is um Let's see, there's this book called Authoritarianism and Polarization in American Politics by Jonathan Wheeler. He's a professor at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and he wrote a book all about this. And, you know, even though it's so easy to see, he, you know, he said, what makes these questions interesting is they're not really about parenting. They're about people's idealized understanding of social order or social hierarchy. Asking about parenting is a way to get people to think about this. So it's belief systems that we're passing down. It's not just the parenting style is the way that we like, you know, kind of discuss it in a more psychological way. But these are the four questions, Todd, that they ask in, in this book, you know, do you have number one, respect for elders or independence? Number two, obedience or self-reliance? Number three, good manners or curiosity. And number four, being well-behaved or being considerate. And that is how they determine, um, you know, obviously more authoritarian answers are respect for elders, obedience, good manners, and well-behaved. So basically children are encouraged to not have a voice and they grow up with a lot of self-doubt. Um, and all of these things, you know, everybody who's like, but we should have respect for our elders. Of course, but we can also have a respect for ourselves and independence for them and us. Yeah. So it's not, it's again, not black and white. This is very nuanced, um, often paradoxical, but I just find, you know, go check out that book, like read about this and let's, you know, let's segue into the next thing, which is this grandmother and mother who embodies what we're talking about so beautifully. Mm -hmm. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. So just so everybody knows, this is, I, I don't know if it's Twitter. It's yeah. on TikTok, oh, TikTok, honey. It's called Grad School Grandma. So in case anybody wants to follow yeah, her. Yeah, fo I follow her. She's got a ton of followers. So this is grandma. about three minutes. It's long, but it's worth it. 
Recently, I was out to lunch with an old friend of mine who has been watching my TikToks and seeing my Facebook. And she said, you know, Diva, you are such a great parent and it must be so great to have this great relationship with all your children. Lots of greats in there. Story time. That's not true, baby. And let me tell you what I told her. Yes, I have this great relationship with uh, two of my sons, my youngest daughter. My sunshine is always around. That's who I'm usually talking about in these videos. But I have an oldest son who has chosen to go no contact with me and most of the family. Here's where I differ from a lot of people. I honor his space. I don't try to make up some type of story about how I did the best I could, even though I did. How, you know, he should have been grateful for the life that I worked hard to give him. Mm -hmm. But see, I'm a recovering alcoholic. And I wasn't recovering when he was in his early teens. I'm not going to feed my ego by saying, you know, I'm your mother. I did the best I could. I was dealing with a lot. Whether or not that's true. I honor his truth. I really do. I love my son. I miss him. However, I won't be changing my number anytime soon. And the code to the front door that he has will never change. He can always get into any home that I live in. But I'm not going to sit here in front of my other kids or in front of you guys and say, Oh, he's gone no contact. I don't understand. I understand completely. And I'm quite happy that I raised a grown-ass man who can stand up for his feelings. I send him messages that I hope he's getting some therapy because I was his mother and I know he probably needs it. But other than that, I honor his space. I think sometimes that's the difference between Gen X parents and our boomer generation. Because, um, yeah, yeah. I'm your mom. I messed you up. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. We parent each of our children differently. That's just the truth of it. So one day, maybe he'll come back around and we won't be estranged. In the meantime, I just love on the kids that are here and pray to the universe that things will change. Y'all have a good day. Oh my God. So we love her so much. <laughs> so yeah. So, and we, we don't have as nearly as much time as I wish we did to talk about this. So my quick takes on this is her, obviously her vulnerability, oops, her vulnerability about sharing her alcoholism and how she was not the best mom while his, her son was in his teenage years and probably before I'm guessing, uh, she's taking responsibility, mm -hmm. her, her amount of responsibility. She's honoring his faith and his, and uh, his truth, as she said, but I just think about how often I, and I'll I'll dare to say we as parents, get so defensive to justify our position with our kids. Like, no, you don't understand. I did this, this, and this, and this. And she's like, this is his experience. And there's nothing that she can do to change his experience. And she's going to keep the door open, which is beautiful. Um, but I just think it would be so easy for her to blame him. Mm -hmm. Or be angry with him. Or blame herself. 
Which, well, and she probably, and, and the thing is, is she probably does both, Todd. Yeah. But then she can take her wise mind yes. of emotion and data yes. and bring it together yes. and say, but you know what? I do, I am angry with him that he won't speak to me. I'm also angry at myself that in whatever ways I dropped the ball yeah. when he was young. But I bring those together and I say, I'm going to live with compassion for myself and him. Yeah. And I am going to keep that door wide open for him. And I'm also, as she said, going to honor that I have a son who knows how to take care of himself. And if he needs to go no contact for a while, it sucks. And I'm still going to reach out and say, hey, I'm here. But you can't force. And the belief system going back to, you know, parenting styles, I think a, a big reason why a lot of parents blame and get angry and say, how dare you, is the belief, it's that authoritarian belief, I am the parent, you honor me no matter what. Yeah. Versus I get to do, you know, or, and add to that, I get to do whatever I want to you and you just have to suck it up. Again, I'm thinking about succession again. I can't get Logan Roy off my head. I So it's like that belief versus I love you if you can't be with me right now, that's okay. I give you freedom and I give you, and I give you, um, apology mm-hmm. and, and I give an opening for a discussion whenever mm-hmm. you're ready. But until then I set you free harder. It's, it's not easy, yeah. but I think that, you know, this is kind she is emulating. She is in that post is, demonstrating to everybody what this looks like. And and I've watched a lot of her TikToks. She's amazing. Um, but this is what we're talking about is it's not all perfect and pretty. Like, you know, something that Todd and I, you know, we always get asked questions since the girls were little, but don't you worry if they have a struggle or if they mess up, of course they're going to have that. Like this is, this is not about keeping things from happening to your kids or to, to avoid conflict. I mean, you hope you take some conflict out, but it's about how you approach challenges. It's about how you deal with conflict and how you come to peace with things, accept things, deal with things, listen to people. It's the way you communicate. It's not avoiding. I think my favorite part of that is when she's like, I'm glad I raised my son who honors his feelings. Me too. It's the best. There's so many wonderful parts of that. So anyways, we have to wrap it up. Uh, any closing thoughts? Um, just that, you know... Um, I think the last thing I'll say, the closing thought I'll say is when we were talking about the difference in parenting styles, um, authoritarian parenting style, this is like the summary, like very simple, clear messages and want to impose simple, clear solutions to complex problems. Again, black and white thinking instead of more depth questioning and understanding. And I think that what we know about humanity and what we know about human beings is that life is messy and there's nothing clean cut that people are different, that humanity is evolving, that we're ever changing. I mean, it's why I called my book, you know, caring for ourselves and our children in an unpredictable world. We don't get to decide. We have to flow with. Yeah. So that grandma is flowing with people who are standing up and saying this decorum doesn't work because you're not listening to the people. They are flowing with. And it's just unfortunate because obviously it doesn't always, it's not always pretty, mm-hmm. um, but it is uh, inspirational. So things are, you know, if we can just keep listening to each other, we can make some big change. A few other things. Um, we've been busy with pop culturing. Um, what have we done lately, sweetie? Oh, we've done so much Teams and stuff, so many classes. But pop culturing, we had Grease, we have The Hangover. Um, we have coming out this Three's week, Three's Company, which is so funny. And then we also just did About Last Night. So please subscribe to... 
Come and knock on our door. So that might be out by the time you listen to this podcast. I don't know. We'll see. And then about last night, also, please. 1986 version. If you um, enjoy Zen Parenting Radio and you like pop culture, go follow or subscribe Zen Parenting Radio on your podcast app and follow and subscribe um, Pop Culturing on your podcast app. I use both words because depending on your podcast app, they call it different things. Yes. So just subscribe or follow so you don't have to look for it. It'll just come to your feed. Um, Men Living is an organization that I co-founded and am the executive director. It's a virtual and in-person community of guys connecting deeply and living fully. No requirements, no creeds, no gurus, no judgments. All you do is show up when you can. Menliving.org. Jeremy Kraft, he's a bald-headed beauty. He does painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. His Phone number is 630-956-1800, and his website is avidco.net. And with that, I'm going to play my, I'm going to fade in my music. Nice. Is that better? Absolutely. And everybody keep, you know, I know not everybody loves to watch the news. It can be overwhelming, but there are things happening, you know, and hopefully um, we can move through everything together, learn from each other, and grow as human beings. That's the goal. Keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.